0: Abnormal Christian. I am Brad Mason. I am here again with my wonderful wife, Natasha Mason. Hello. And there she, in, uh, uh, there she is. I got a little uh, tongue tied there. but uh, And we are back for another episode of Acts, um, the study of the Acts of the Apostles. We have been off um, really the last uh, probably month or so trying to uh, deal with work and all the other things that have come up. Um, I've actually started this study of Acts, I think, four different times and i've gotten halfway through it and every time something would come up and would d- distract me and keep me from getting finished with it. Um so today i was able to actually complete um the chapter 17 version of this. So we're going to start in verse 1 like we typically do um with these bible studies and we will uh pull out, you know, pertinent information things that you might be interested in knowing and uh and read through this chapter.
1: Now when they had passed through M- and Apollonia they came to Thessalonica where was the synagogue of the Jews and Paul as his manner was went in unto them and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead and that This Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ.
0: All right. So we got at the beginning of chapter 17, uh, Paul, Silas, and Timothy are traveling around. They've made it down to the cities here. And these cities are in Greece. Um, you can look up, uh, it's actually in the Greek today. It's Thessaloniki, uh, or Thessaloniki, uh, instead of Thessalonica. Um, but that city still exists today. Um, really interestingly enough, at the beginning of this study, I pulled up Google Earth because I wanted to see if these places were still there. And this chapter um, really centers around Athens and a lot of the areas of Greece, and uh, them going out into the Gentile world, to the Roman-held um, uh, parts of, the, uh, of Europe. So it's really interesting. You can get on there and look up these locations and see where uh, Paul was at at this time. But we come into verse 2, and we see that he does what he typically does. He goes into a town. He goes to the Jew first to offer the gospel of salvation, um, and then to the Gentiles. And in the scripture, it says he reasoned with them, and he uh, really used the scriptures, which, again, we talked about was the Torah Um, The major, the minor prophets, to really reason out and prove that Yeshua Jesus, who had died, um, was foretold of. And, And I typically think here in this passage, he's really using the prophet Isaiah, probably chapter 53, which really goes into good detail about who the Messiah was, who he would be, and the things he would suffer.
1: And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks, a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. But the Jews, which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort and gathered a company and set city on an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring them out of the people.
0: All right. So here we've got this instance where um, they are preaching the gospel in the synagogue to um to the Jews who were there. And there's some Gentiles who are mixed in with this. These are some Gentiles who have converted to, um, Judaism, as you might call it. They really believe in the God of Israel. And so they've, uh, they've chosen to, uh, align themselves with the Jews. So Paul is, is preaching there. And some of the people come to believe, um, which really, uh, incenses um, the Jewish folks who were there in that uh, synagogue who didn't believe. And so, they gather together in the scripture there. It uses the phrase lewd uh, men of a baser sort. Um, and so this has a couple of different connotations to it um, and not in really the lewdness idea that you're thinking of. So in the actual Greek, and I'll actually use the Hebrew for this because the Hebrew is a little bit more detailed as to what that really means. Um, and so in the Hebrew, it is called agoroth shelgoim. And uh, what it really is, is it is the... Um, They're judges, basically the judges of the Gentiles. So they've gathered together themselves. um, And the reason it uses that lewd men of base or is because these are the judges of the Gentiles. They don't um, highly esteem the laws of God. And so their judgment is uh, somewhat corrupt. And so when they gather them together, they they go to the house of Jason, uh, where Paul, Silas, and Timothy have been staying. And uh, the scripture says that they, they sought them there.
1: And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also, whom Jason hath received. And these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus.
0: All right, so in in this instance, they really lay out their case to the magistrates, to the governors, the the leaders of the area, the judges and rulers. And they say, these men have come—and this is really interesting. I think verse 6, I I was talking to Natasha when we were going over this before— um, we listened to the um, the audio version of this chapter, and I said, you know, there's a lot of preach in verse chapter 6 because it says these these men have come to turn the world upside down. And they really have. And that's what the gospel is really about. It's about turning the system of the world upside down. Um, even the Roman Empire had a problem with this. And the the accusation here is that they they were contrary, teaching something contrary to Caesar, which was he is king and ruler. Um, and so their accusation is that these men are preaching that this Jesus Um, is the king, uh, which was not inaccurate at all. They were preaching that Jesus was king, but they were not preaching that he was the king of this earthly kingdom, but that his kingdom would be the one to come. And so uh, that is the accusation that they made against Jason, since they couldn't get their hands on Paul and Silas.
1: And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. And when they have taken security of Jason and of the other, they let them go. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews.
0: So here uh, they've taken uh, Jason up to the court, right? They've judged, uh, you know, they've accused him of whatever was going on. And the scripture says that he's able to secure, and we don't know how, whether he had to make a payment or he had to make a promise. But really here he's telling them he's going to get Paul to to leave because Paul is the one who is preaching this. And it's, you know, if I can get him out of here without getting him hurt, that's fine. So he goes and he gets uh, Paul and they get him down to Berea, um, where Paul does the same thing that he just did in Thessalonica. He walks right into the synagogue and he starts preaching the gospel after the Torah reading.
1: These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Therefore, many of them believed also of honorable women, which were Greeks, and of men, not a few. And when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached of Paul at Berea, they came thither also and stirred up the people.
0: So here, this is interesting. So he leaves Thessalonica, he takes the gospel, he goes to Berea, and he preaches in the synagogue there. And the scripture here says that the Gentiles, some Gentiles believe, some Jews believe, these were more noble. And when it uses the, the term more noble here in the scripture, what it's talking about is uh, you know, they, they were more studied. Um, it was In this area, it was very thought that they would spend a lot of time studying the Torah. They would spend a lot of time studying the Word of God. It says so in the scripture that when he presented the gospel of Jesus to them, they wanted to study and reason it out to make sure that what he was saying was accurate. And so the Bible, the scripture counts that as their nobility. It wasn't that they were from uh, well-to-do families or that they were rich. It was that they took the time uh, to study, to learn, to look, to see if what he was saying was true. And then it gets back to Thessalonica, and the, the, the leaders of the synagogue there are hearing that this is happening in Berea. No, we got to put a stop to this. So they go up to Berea to uh, to get Paul because they're aggravated that he is continuing to preach. Yeshua is the uh, king of Israel, and he's alive, and he's he's coming again, that resurrection. So
1: and then immediately the brethren sent away paul to go as it were to the sea but silas and timothy abode there still and they that conducted paul brought him unto athens and receiving a commandment unto silas and timothy for to come to him with all speed They departed.
0: So what they did here was, is again, they get Paul out. They want to get Paul out before he's captured and he's taken in. So they sent him down like he was going to go toward the sea. Um, And then it said he went to Athens. So we're... uh, some of the commentaries on this are saying that he most likely did not get on a boat and leave. That's just what they thought he was doing. He went down to the sea, and then he turned, and he went to Athens. Uh, so once he gets to Athens, which is, everyone knows, if you're familiar with you know um, Greek history, Athens is a huge city. Um, and we'll see that plays into uh, some more scripture here.
1: Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Therefore disputed he in the synagogues with the Jews and the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him.
0: So we'll stop there real quick point out that he goes to Athens and he does the same thing he's continuing to do. He goes to the local synagogue. He sees all the idolatry that all the idols and all the paganism and all the false gods that are set up in Athens. This is a really, um, if, if you can imagine Athens, it's a really full of philosophers and it's full of artists and it's full of people who believe in, um, extra esoteric thinking where they spend a lot of time in contemplation. Um, this is what philosophy really is. And so he comes in and he sees all these different idols and, and gods that they've created with their hands. And he goes to the synagogue and he and he's just frustrated because he's trying to preach to them um, Christ crucified. So it also says here, so this is a great instance of street preaching. He's out in the marketplace daily and he's preaching on the corner. Um, and there, what goes on in the next verse?
1: then certain philosophers of the epicureans and of the stoics encountered him and some said what will this babbler say other some he seemeth to be as setter forth of strange gods because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection.
0: So this is interesting, the Epicureans and the, um, who was it? Stoics. The Stoics. So Epicurus, uh, Epicureans are like Christians follow Christ. Epicureans followed Epicurious. Um And they denied, basically the Epicureans denied that the world was created by God. They didn't believe that. Um they they had a lot of different ideas about freedom and Rome and things like that, but they didn't believe in in the God who created everything. The Stoics were a lot in the uh, the same group. It's almost this is the I would take this as the Grecian version of the um, the the Pharisees and the Sadducees, right? Two different groups that come together and stand against it. Um, so they're they're listening to him preach,
1: and they took him and brought him unto Areopagus, saying, "May we know what this new doctrine, whereof thou speakest, is?"
0: Okay, so uh, Areopagus that is mentioned here um, in today's current uh, Greece is called Mars Hill. Um, if you go on Google Earth, you can look at area. It's across from the Acropolis, where the big temple is. Everybody remembers that, remembers that, or you've seen that. Um, but it, there's a hill there, and on this hill sat the uh, the council of the judges. This is where they had a building where all the judges in Greece would would sit. So they bring Paul up there and they ask him something. What was it they said there again in that scripture?
1: May we know what this new doctrine, Whereof Thou Speakest, is...
0: All right, so one of the big things in this culture at the time was that the people were very enthralled with something new. They wanted to hear something new, lots of new stories, lots of new ideas. That's what, that's what Athens was. It was this idea of new thinking. Um, and this really goes out to point, I want to point out something here too, that Paul is preaching uh, Jesus crucified in the resurrection, and they're saying this is a new idea that they want to hear. How, why does that matter? Why would that matter? Because we've pointed out before that the Roman Catholic Church believes that Peter went to Rome first. So that means he would have traveled through these areas. And if he had gone and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, it would not have been a new idea when Paul showed up. So Paul shows up, and this is the first time they've heard this. So this is why they're asking him, what is this new idea that you have?
1: For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. We would know, therefore, what these things mean. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription To the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship. Him declare I unto you God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that He is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though He needed anything, seeing He giveth to all life and breath and all things.
0: All right, so we'll stop there because there's so much in what He just said. Um, So he's at Mars Hill. This idea that they're inquiring of him is a respectful type of inquisition. They're asking him respectfully to describe and tell us about this this God that you're preaching about. And so one of the things that he says, even in verse 24, he says that God does not, he's not dwelling in a temple that is made with man's hands. And that's something that's very important in our lives today. We need to understand that the God of the universe, the God who made all things, he exists outside of this earth. He exists outside of our local congregation building he's not he's not kept in a big building he's not waiting on us to show up he's not held in a temple somewhere um where you need to go and see him uh, that's not the guy, And so he points it out by saying he's made all things. Um, in verse 25, he goes on to say he, he doesn't need our services, right? He doesn't need us to serve him. He says uh, things that are built with made with human hands. Uh, we can't make an idol of our God. We can't form something out of wood, clay, stone, gold, silver uh, to represent our God because he is none of those things. And we don't build a God unto ourselves. So then he goes on to say that life, basically he says that God gives everything life. Um, can you read that one more for me there?
1: Um... Neither is worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things.
0: So he's he's pointing out to them, even though they're not believers, that everything that they have, all life, all breath, everything that is has been given by God. That very life that we have has been provided by the Lord. And so he's pointing out to them that you're worshiping an unknown God. You have a uh, something set up, says to the unknown God. And he says, but I'm here to declare to you, Who this God is.
1: And hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. All
0: right, so that's verse 26, correct? Yes. All right, can you read that one more time? Read it a little bit slower.
1: And hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed, And the bounds of their habitation.
0: Right. So here's something in verse 26 that you you need to think about that hasn't come up before. But this is a very important verse. Um, Because he says they've been made of one blood. And by that one blood, we're talking Adam. Every nation, every... And this is very important. I think people miss this for centuries. But this is really key. Every nation, every tongue, every tribe, every descendant of humanity that continues to be upon the earth is a direct relation to Adam by his blood. Every genetic strand, every uh, when you think of racial diversity in the world, they all were bound inside of Adam. Every combination you could think of of humanity was in Adam. And so what he's trying to say is, you're no different. You're not different at all when it comes to being made by God. You're no different by that bloodline that you've come through. Um, we're all given that same life that comes from our father Adam because we're all descendants of his.
1: That they should seek the Lord if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. For as much then... As we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone, graven by art and man's device. In the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, and others said, We will hear thee again on this matter. So Paul departed from among them, howbeit certain men clave unto him, and believed among the which was Dionysus the Aragop, (laughs) up Big right, <laughs> and a woman named Damaris, and others with them.
0: So we come to the end of the chapter. So at the end of the chapter, we'll get back into some verses here. I want to let her read through that because this is a great portion. Once Paul starts speaking, speaking here, I would encourage you to get your Bible and read through that section yourself because there's so much there um, about what he's trying to tell them and what he's talking to them. But he's basically, if we go back up to verse 27, he's talking about that God is not mysterious. He's not this mysterious person that you've made him to be. He's not this God who is so far from you that you uh, you can't understand him, you can't know him, you can't reach him. He uses the, uh, the word um he's talking about how happily yes but they're they're blind basically is what he's saying um, if
1: happily they fill after the him groping. and find him, though he be not far right. from everyone
0: so else. So in the, in the context of what he's saying here, he's saying it's like the blind man who's reaching around in the dark trying to find something. Um, if you were to think you're in a room and you're trying to find a table, it's not far from you. You may not be able to see it and you may not be able to feel it yet, but it's right there. And so what he's trying to tell them is that even though you're groping around in the dark and you don't know who this God is, he is not far from you. And all you have to do is turn and seek him. So then he goes on to talk about the resurrection. Resurrection, Which is something that the Epicureans were not going to hear anything of. They just were not going to hear any. And this happened, I think this happened one time with Stephen. Um, but there was this outburst of, you know, when someone said something they did, disagreed with, it's just a loud laughter. And it's like, you know, we can't believe somebody rose from the dead. That's just ridiculous. Um, and so they left. But there were others who stayed. The Scripture said there were others who stayed, and they wanted to hear what he had to say. And there were those who converted. That's what the gospel is all about. We're not going to win everybody. Not everybody's going to believe what the Word of God has, has to say. Um, and we're not always here for the large crowd. We're, you, know, you preach the gospel to a thousand people, and if one gets saved, that's enough. I mean, because the gospel's not falling on, on empty ground. It's growing. So that's what he's doing here. So then um, we'll go down to verse 30 real quick, if you could read that one more time.
1: And the times of this ignorance God winked at. And now commandeth all men everywhere to repent.
0: Right. So, verse twenty-eight, he's talking about the offspring. He even he brings up that their own poets talked about us being the offspring of God. Um, one is Eritus. Uh, Eritus was from Paul, the region where Paul grew up. Paul knew Eritus, and uh, Eritus actually wrote a poem, um, and in it he calls us the offspring of God. So he gets down to verse thirty, and um, he talks about. Read that one more time.
1: And the times of this ignorance, yeah. God winked at.
0: He winked at. So you look at that and you're like, what does that mean? So, what it basically means is that God has the right. God has every right and permission to demand worship of us, but he doesn't do that. And before Jesus came, there was idolatry in the world. We know he called out the nation of Israel, and he raised them up. And he set them apart, and he said, you don't go into these nations. You don't go down to the Philistines. You don't marry into that. You don't give into their idol worship and all those things. So basically, the winking at here is that God, um, he overlooked it. That's what it really means, is that he overlooked the idea that all these nations would, would do their own things. He's got his own people to himself here. He was watching over Israel, uh, but he was overlooking the things that these other nations did. And he told them they shouldn't do it, right? Um, but he they did. The, he let the heathen do what they do. Uh, but now he's not overlooking some things because the Messiah has come. Now he's taking the gospel to the world. Here Paul is preaching in the middle of Athens where there's statues of, of pagan gods everywhere. And he's saying, look, God's not overlooking any of this. He's here and he sees this. He's near you and all you have to do is reach out to him. Um, very interesting at the end of this, you see Dionysus, I believe his name was. Um, he is a judge of the court. And so Paul has convinced and the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, he has convinced a judge of the court um, into conversion. And so this man believed in Jesus and the resurrection, which would have a huge impact in the local area because now he is taking that into the court where he works and, and with the people that he's around. And the other is uh, the lady. We don't know much about her other than her name pops up here. Um, there were a couple, um, studies where people were saying maybe this was his wife or something like that, but there's nothing there's no historical record to prove that that's accurate at all. Um, So this is an interesting chapter. It's a very interesting chapter because I think um, when we think of Greece and we think of uh, the Acropolis we think of um, Thessalonica and the other areas that are mentioned in in verse 1 these places are still here. They're still here on the earth today. You can look them up You could go visit them if you wanted to. They're still there Paul went there. Paul preached the mountain there. uh, Mars Hill. It's still there In Greece. It's still there in Thessalonica. I'm sorry, in Athens. It's still there. You can go and see this is where Paul stood. This is where Paul faced the multitude. Imagine that you're the person who has um, the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're the only person in this whole city who has the gospel of Jesus. And the nerve that it would take to go especially to people that are going to laugh at you and reject you. People have tried to kill you. People have tried to to capture you, to go and to stand in the marketplaces and to proclaim that Jesus is alive, that he um, is the son of the living God, Yahweh, and that uh, we need to give our lives to him. Paul is just absolutely... Um, In in my opinion, one of the heroes of the faith because he stood for that. Um, And Paul did a fantastic, phenomenal job of standing for the gospel. Um, So that closes out chapter 17. I really hope you enjoyed that chapter. We'll get into chapter 18 as soon as possible. Um, We want to get back on track with these things and keep them rolling. I hate to, to drag them out as long as we have. Want to say today um, that we uh, saw, I saw in the news, we saw in the news that uh, Ravi Zechariah passed away. Um, really uh, kind of a sad day for us on earth, but a great day in the heaven with the Lord. That's where he's at. So I um, really want to, you know, uh, ask that everyone pray for that family. We hate to see a loss, but the man is, he was fantastic. If you haven't seen any of his videos or teachings, go on YouTube and look up Ravi, R A V I Zechariah. Um, he is just a phenomenal thinker um, and he has an excellent, Uh, understanding and way of explaining the Word of God in, in ways that you wouldn't think. Uh, that motivate you to want to know more about the Lord. Um, So we're sad to see that brother go, but we know we'll see him again someday. Uh, We ask that you continue to pray for us and pray for the podcast. Like and share it with your family and friends and uh, continue to come back and listen. We really do appreciate everyone sticking around listening with us and being patient with our uh, episode uploads. They've slowed down a little bit, but we hope we can pick it back up. But we hope to talk to you again next time on the study of the book of Acts chapter 18. And we'll talk to you later.
1: Bye.